0: Hello and welcome to Walking the Shadowlands podcast. Let me be your guide as we take a walk into the shadowy realms of the unexplained, the paranormal of things that go bump in the night and haunt your dreams. Your hosts. I'm Marianne and i would like to welcome you to our podcast thank you so much for joining us tonight today whatever time it is wherever you are living in this beautiful world of ours so sit back relax and let me be your guide as we walk into the shadowlands together and discover what awaits us there History, humankind has been aware of the existence of other beings in other dimensions that can move through our reality when and where they choose to. They live in dimensions other than those our senses are aware of. These beings have been written about since humans have had written text, and before then they were talked about in hushed tones to be feared and respected. But what happens when the world of these elemental beings and the world of humans collide? What happens then? Is this a good experience for the human, or is it possibly not? And what would you do if you were in such a situation where you came across such a being? How would you react? What would you do? And how would this be experienced for you? It was not uncommon in the early history of humankind to have encounters with these beings, Almost always they were feared, revered, respected, and given wide berth where possible. But are people in these modern times still encountering these beings, are we? So grab your cuppa, your warm blanket if you're in winter as we are here in New Zealand, or a cold drink if you live in the other hemisphere of our beautiful world. Make yourself comfortable. And join me as we walk together into this part of the Shadowlands and see what awaits us there. Firstly, what are elementals and what does the term mean? Elementals take their name because they are made up of the ethers and are ethereal beings, and so they are invisible to most of humanity. But there are some who see them clearly, and some who can see them when they choose to show themselves to humans. The basic role of elementals and those from the elemental kingdoms is to look after nature in all its beauty. These beings live amongst plants, trees and animals. They are said to be responsible for the wonderfully therapeutic effects felt when we're out in nature, taking a bushwalk as discussed in our last two episodes with Gary Cook on Music of the Plants. Or at the beach, at lakes or rivers, nature reserves or national parks. They're said to possess supernatural powers and abilities and, as I've already stated, are for the most part invisible to humans. They're attached to pretty much every single natural thing on this planet. They're said to be responsible for earthquakes, floods, thunderstorms and wildfires, at least that is the law that goes with them. These earth elementals are also said to be responsible for creating, sustaining and renewing life on our planet. These beings don't like the lower and heavy vibrations of city life, and so they do tend to stay away and are only found out in nature, in the country where the vibrations and energy are much higher. For example, when we go to the country for a bushwalk or a walk along the seashore, it generally feels really comforting, relaxing, uplifting and, for the most part, serene. That's where these beings spend their time protecting, nurturing and loving the earth. The Greeks called all other worldly beings daemons. These daemons included guardian spirits, helper spirits, spirits of the four elements, earth, air, fire, water, and spirits of a place, spiritus loci. Muses and non-corporeal teachers such as the inner teacher of Socrates were also considered daemons. It was Paracelsus who solidified the idea of pure elementals, the living forces behind the four elements of earth, air, fire and water. It's interesting to note that when Christianity was invented, the word daemon became the word demon. Paracelsus, who lived in 1493 to 1541, was a physician, a philosopher and an alchemist. He classified nature spirits according to the elements they were composed of. This is the system our own culture has adopted for classifying elementals. Here is a brief description of what these classifications are. Earth elementals. Earth elementals are generally called gnomes, which comes from the Greek term gnomis, meaning earth-dweller. They have power over rocks, trees, flowers and minerals, they are traditionally guardians of hidden treasure. They prefer caves and deep forests. Some of the more familiar beings in the gnome classification include tree and forest sprites, satyrs, pans, dryads, owls, brownies and little men of the woods. Also included in here are New Zealand's patiparehe, the fairy folk of New Zealand. They can be helpful or harmful to humans. Eyewitnesses claim reports of little men two to three feet tall, usually bearded and dressed in caps. Reports of females are rare. Gnomes are said to be mischievous, even threatening to humans. When they are heard to speak, their voices are reported as gruff-sounding. Water elementals, these are called undines. They are responsible for and have power over all water, including streams, rivers, marshes, ponds, waterfalls, oceans and fountains. They are also associated with rain, mist and fog. Water sprites and mermaids come under this classification as do the New Zealand Punaturi beings. They can appear as human beings as well as small creatures. They are very emotional, they love beauty and actually, and surprisingly, are said to be fond of human beings. Humans who've interacted with water elementals can become obsessed with water. In the Indian and Tibetan cultures, they also have the Naga, who are half human and half serpent. These Indian beings are associated with prosperity and hidden treasures. It's interesting to note here that many historical accounts of goddesses' appearances are associated with water, including the Virgin Mary in Europe and in the US, Kuan Yin in Japan, Saraswati in India, Bridget in Ireland, as well as many white ladies. The bodies of water associated with these appearances are generally later declared to have healing properties attached to them because of the visitations. Fire Elementals these are called salamanders they have power over flame and smoke they don't generally directly communicate with humans according to paracelsus they appear as little balls of light fireballs or tongues of fire in medieval literature they had been described as little lizard-like beings air elementals these beings are called sylphs They have power over clouds, snow, gases and winds. They prefer mountaintops. They also reside in the air around us. It's the sylphs that are supposedly the origin of the story of gossamer-winged fairies. The elementals of air are also associated with muses, genius and inspiration. The inspired artists, poets, and musicians are said to be blessed or cursed, as the case may be, by the sylphs. Sylphs are said to be mirthful, changeable, and eccentric. They've been connected to abduction experiences and episodes of missing time. They're also associated with joyful music, bell tones, and the sounds of happy parties. Elementals, it is said, can cause a mental unbalance in some sensitive types of people and in most indigenous cultures throughout the world nature spirits are given ritual offerings to help maintain the balance needed between the communities that these cultures live in and the environment. So, That's a brief overview of elementals and how they've been categorised to our level of understanding. It's said that elementals can haunt places and areas. These, however, generally take place in isolated mountain, desert or forest settings, as our guest experience shows, from working in a very isolated New Zealand forest area. And each elemental produces a different sort of haunting. There's a very well-known Haunting of an elemental in a famous Irish castle called Leap Castle that's appeared on numerous ghost haunting type shows over the years. I've placed a link on this episode's page on the podcast website www.walkingtheshadowlands.com, to a site where you can read up more about this haunting if you're interested. My guest tonight is sharing her encounter with an elemental being. Please be aware that this telling of her experience does contain some language that may not be suitable for youngsters to hear. My guest has requested to be anonymous, but I have not altered her voice in any way. She is a young Maori woman, so grew up already with a cultural understanding of unseen beings and the spiritual realms, and a belief that whānau – or family, who are deceased can return and act as personal guides. Hers, she mentions, in the recounting of her scary and very interesting experiences that took place over a period of many, many months. In New Zealand, one of our major exporters to other countries is New Zealand forestry, our logging industry. It's a major business here, and there are many private contractors, like my guest and her whānau, who work together in teams to harvest these trees. They most often work in extremely isolated and sometimes hard to get at areas in the bush, felling both native but mostly pine trees, for both export and local consumption. This time their team was working with a private contract with landowners who wanted trees felled from their land. Because of the isolation of these areas, they often camp on the land they're failing in whatever accommodation is available for them to use, and do not leave the area except for their days off. So, with that bit of background information, here's my guest to share her experience with us all. So, I was working in
1: forestry with my father away from any towns or settlements in the area. There was just really a church, a community hall, a school, a few houses, that sort of thing was in the area. So, it was just like little settlements everywhere, but no actual towns. We started off working on the outskirts and I always felt like I was watched and but never felt like it was intrusive, just watching and I just never really felt alone. But after a few months and stuff, I just kind of felt like that there was something a little bit wrong here because it was like a little bit of a shadow was over the place a little bit and it felt a bit damp and cold and just a bit dingy. But I didn't really think too much of it, just thought, ah yeah, it's winter time. (laughs) And then we shifted jobs to the other side of the of the area about a year later and it felt the same there again. But things started getting a little bit worse, like feeling a bit worse. After a few months passed, I could sort of feel the energy changing for the bad. It just I know it just slowly, eventually over time, just felt like like I was just being more closely watched and felt like that they were always there. And yeah, it just, yeah, just had this weird, weird, weird feeling. And I was talking to one of our workers at the time, one lunchtime, and he said, he felt like someone was always watching him when he's alone, when he's out in the bush cross cutting, which is falling trees. And he said that it makes makes him feel uncomfortable. I just said to him, just be careful when you're out there because, well, bad things happen in the bush when you're not thinking about what you're doing. Hmm. And, well, anyways, I had this um, really bad feeling about work. One morning when I woke up, I just had this feeling of dread. And I don't know, I don't know how to explain it, but I just woke up and I just felt like that we all shouldn't be at work today. And I just really, really felt that way. And I said to dad, "I, I just, can we go? Just like, no, I'll go to work. Do you have like stuff that you need fixing in town and stuff today? Because I just feel like that we shouldn't be at work." And they just sort of brushed me off like, "Ah, oh, that'd be stupid. You're just trying to get out of working today." To be fair, yeah, <laughs> that normally would be the case. Well, anyways, one day the worker, our worker was cross cutting. And he's very experienced at his job, by the way. He's been doing it for many years, lots of experience doing um, native trees as well, which, you know, behave quite a lot differently to pine trees do. So he was really, really experienced at what he did. And the tree done some weird stuff on him when he was falling it. It totally spun right around on the stump and fell over a bank and the stump end flicked up as the way of to the top plunged over the edge and spun around again and hit him. Wow. And he, he turned off his chainsaw and yelled out, because I was down on the hill, he yelled out, I'm a bit sore. So you back? Are you okay? And he's, he yells back, "Nope." So I knew straight away that something happened. So I climbed up the hill, which is quite a quite a good way, tough and tough. And by the time I got to the top and I found him on the ground and he was looking very 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 pale I made him comfortable asked him what was wrong with him asked him if he could walk down and he's just said nope nope he's pretty much stuck there so I climbed down the hill to go and get some help and I went and found dad and I went to the neighbours and called the neighbours and and, that, and so we got a few people to come and help us stretch him down down the hill because we knew that, you know, go get him off the side of the hill or no one would be able to help him. And he said that, they you know, he didn't have any of the things that you shouldn't be moving someone, like tingly feet and toes. and Right, of course. Stalk backs or anything like that. So, yeah, I kind of thought that we be fine with that. And well, anyways, after that, the ambulance came and picked him up, took him off to hospital got x-rays done and he'd broken his hip bone and so that took him a quite a long time to heal up so he was away from work so it's just dad and I and the neighbor's son working there. And when we came, when he came back we'd shift the jobs to a new location and we moved right into the middle of this particular area. And immediately when I got out of the the, the truck I felt very unwelcome like I could feel like something was like pushing me and I had to walk through a wall. It was really hard to explain. It just felt like a wall was in front of me, an invisible wall, and I had to just basically push my way through it with my willpower, basically, like oh, I'm here and I need to do this job because this, this is our family business and I actually can't just not be here. And, yeah, it felt real uncomfortable. So much so that I asked my guide how he feels about it because I talked to my spirit guide. A bit of a backstory about him is that I know he's a Māori ancestor of mine and he goes back about seven or eight generations. So he's, you know, he's pretty old and he is Māori and so he knows a fair bit of stuff about a fair bit of things. And he said when he was alive and breathing, that when he travelled this way, That they would avoid the entire area altogether. There was a tapu over the place, tapu meaning a scarred place. Even if it took them days longer, it was still avoided. But he also said, but that was the old ways, and those ways are lost now, so the power isn't there anymore, so you should be alright. But as in saying that, still be respectful and careful. Well, anyway, so. We stayed at the farmer's son's house, which is also on site. And the first night I had only four hours sleep because it was that uncomfortable. I just felt like I just couldn't sleep. And I put it down to a new place. But this continued for the whole time we worked in this area. I never ever slept in the area. Like some nights I would get four hours sleep max. And some nights I wouldn't get any sleep at all. And sometimes at this house, I would hear a baby crying and it felt so real that I would go and find it after I searched the entire house, every cupboard and nook and cranny everywhere, and then it would just stop. But it sounded so real that there was this newborn crying in the house and I couldn't find it. it. drove me crazy.
0: Oh, that would be a tad freaking.
1: And things started getting physical at this stage as well for myself. I got bitten by a white tail spider that required some heavy antibiotics. I got a really bad flu that lasted two months. And then I got really, really hurt. I was sitting on a log eating my lunch, chatting away to our worker, the same guy who got hurt at the previous job. And this log popped out of the stack and hit two logs in front of me. Then second log crushed my legs and it hit me with such force that it Bounced back off me, and I've never ever in all my years of working in forestry ever seen logs behave like that. Not hit two logs, you know, they'll hit one, but not two, and not with that much force that they'll bounce off my legs. But anyways, a few days later, after that happened, I looked in the mirror and I could see these big, huge handprints bruised underneath my arms armpits like someone had lifted me up as I was getting hit underneath my armpits. So I thought about it and just before I'd been crushed I felt someone lift me up by my armpits and I was very very lucky because if this log smashed my kneecaps I would never ever walk again. So it was yeah that was pretty close call. Wow. And I still didn't by this point even though it was getting physical I didn't. It didn't occur to me that you know that there was something strange going on there. I just thought that it was just you know things happen in forestry. We just had a fair bit of bad luck. I'm just accident prone. I still didn't think about it. It didn't cross my mind that it was this place. I was off work for six months. I went home and went far away from that place, and everything immediately settled down. I had plenty of sleep, plenty of rest. Everything was going back to normal again, and I pretty much had to learn how to walk again as well. But, so I went back to work probably way too soon, but I was okay. I could still drive the digger as long as someone helped me in and out of it. And a few changes, we moved 10 kilometres down the road and shifted into a new new job down there. And the guy who hurt himself and witnessed my accident had left to start his own forestry business as well. And so we moved into an old schoolhouse, and it was a beautiful building, pretty much the same as when it was as a school, just at a gas stove and a kitchen sink. The gas stove rattled every time we walked past it as the floorboards weren't as solid as they once were. The oven wasn't in the main room and the sink was in the foil part where the children hung their bags and coats. In the surrounding area, only about fifty meters away was a beautifully kept church with its own cemetery and an organ that worked and the only thing I could play on it was Mary had a little lamp. that sounded really creepy enough I liked it. <laughs> used to go and play in there all the time. It was pretty cool. And the area was a survey town that never took off after the depression. And across the river was an old pa site and a pa, which means just the Māori cemetery. My cousin started working for us at this, at this job as well, and he's pretty sensitive to the spiritual world, and he also had feelings of being uncomfortable and being watched, but he really enjoyed the job and our company. One night, him and I, we decided to go with the owners of the block that we are working for, for a walk across the river over to of cemetery in the um, Urupa over there and the pa site and we anyways we walked over there and we took the dog for a walk as well and the dog just stopped in its tracks and just let out this heavy growl and it was terrified it was on the end of its chain and it wasn't good the dog obviously seen something that we couldn't and it didn't like it at all and so I was just like screw this shit I'm out cousin come with me too we left the owners over there and yeah left them to it because fuck that and so anyway so that happened and then we just worked a bit more and then it was a few days a few days after that I think one night after work me and the cousin we were sitting outside in the carport having a quiet beer. And we was watching this huge rat playing underneath the tree. It was huge. The size of a cat. <laughs> it was enormous. And then we saw it change into a possum and ran up the tree. We both looked at each other and said, did you see that? He said, yeah, I think so. Do you think we had too many beers? I asked him and he said, nah, that definitely happened. So, yeah, we were freaked out about that and I said to him, oh, screw that. I'm off to bed, not sticking around for that. That would be a normal reaction, I would say. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was just, yeah. I still didn't believe my eyes. I thought that I had too many beers, to be honest. <laughs> and, then, and so I just went to bed. And then, it, um, and then this is where things started to kind of ramp up quite a lot more. I started to see um, shadows running across the floor like those shadows sort of like how you see a rat in the corner of your eye. It was like, like, but it was like shadows. You couldn't say that was a rat or mice or anything like that. It was just like a shadow and it would run across the floor. And I'd only catch it with the corner of my eye and always like run out from corners or underneath beds or something. It was, yeah. And you sort of just question yourself like, oh, my eyes are playing tricks on me. And then I was doing dishes at about four o'clock in the evening um, and putting on the dinner, and the boys were still working up the hill. And behind me, right next to my ear, I heard what sounded like wallpaper ripping. I instantly felt so scared, like if I turned around, I was going to be in so much danger. All I could tell myself was, don't turn around. Don't turn around. It lasted for what seemed like forever it was. And then it was back to peaceful. But, yeah, that was pretty scary. <laughs> well, anyway, so after that, I didn't say anything to anyone. Then a few days later, my cousin was using the toilet, and it's outside. And he came in heavily breathing, pale as, looking terrified. And I asked him, what's the matter with you? You look like you've seen a ghost. He said, He heard what sounded like paper rustling or something like that behind his ear, and and it's hard to explain, he said. And I asked him, did it sound like wallpaper ripping? And he said, yeah, it did. And I said to him, I know exactly what you mean. I heard this exact same thing a few days ago, and I told him my experience, and he said he felt exactly the same way. He said that he just felt absolutely terrified and scared, and like he just. He shouldn't turn around and look at whatever is behind them and as we were talking about this outside something took our attention and we both looked over towards the tree we watched the rat turn into a possum and the young man in his 20s was standing there very handsome but absolutely terrible look he had on his face he was giving us the most evil smile and, and he was quietly chuckling at us as well and that was pretty terrifying. don't know where it came from. And, yeah, I've never ever seen anyone look at me in that way ever. And by this point, I was just that angry with what was going on and everything. And he thought it was funny that I yelled at him. And I said, said to him, you've had your fun now. Back off. And then he just disappeared. Wow. My cousin said, that's it, I love this job, I love working here, but I can't do this anymore, this is out the gate scary. I'm handing in my notice for two weeks, No, I said to him, I don't blame you, I would be doing the same if I could, but this is a family business and we have to stay here and see the job through. But by all means, man, if you feel like you can't handle it, go. And so... He had, um, he had a weekend off anyways for after that happened, so he went home. And while he was at home, the stove started rattling on and off every night because the floorboards, when you walked across the floorboards, it will rattle. So someone was walking across the floorboards, and I couldn't see who it was because the stove was rattling on and off every night. Started off from about that point. And it would happen like throughout the night. And the shadows were still running across the floor. And the wallpaper ripping noise was happening more and more often. And you could hear the footsteps more and more often as well. And this was happening while we were at the house, at the schoolhouse, and while we were on the job as well. So it wasn't just when we were, you know, alone and quiet. It was while we were working as well. And my cousin, he come come back and he'd had a meeting with a friend who is also a medium. This medium looked at a photo he took of the tree where the activity happened and said, delete it and get the fuck out of there. And then told him that this thing is a spawn of the devil and get out. And that was about all that this medium said and said they couldn't help us at all. That's it. That's it that's, it's up to you. And well, anyways, my, for myself, I'm not religious at all. And I didn't quite wholeheartedly believe this form of the day, uh, Satan thing. But I thought, oh, I better just keep this information in the back of my mind just just in case. Because just because I don't believe in it doesn't mean that it isn't real. So just thought I'd just, yeah, just be weary, just think about it a little bit. And then the cousin he he ended up leaving and the after his two weeks and things settled a little bit after he left. It wasn't so full on but definitely still very active. Like things weren't happening all night long. Just uh, maybe you might get two hours of nothing. <laughs> but it was still pretty active. It did down a little bit. And well, anyways, Dad started talking to me about something seems to be watching him at work as well. And he always felt like he was never alone and he always felt a little bit uncomfortable. And I asked him how long it's been happening and he said, he said oh, pretty much first time he moved, moved over to the first place where we started working at. So right from the beginning, he felt all these things. he never ever said anything. And then a couple of days later, while finishing up the job because we were nearly finished by that point, and was doing the cleanup, and he said he felt like he was pushed and fell down a small bank and badly hurt his shoulder. These were existing injuries, but just hurt them a whole lot more. So he hurt his shoulder and his knee, and he didn't feel like he needed to visit the doctor. But, and he, he reckoned that it would have healed on its own, but it really never did. And so we finished up the job and then left Forestry altogether because of these injuries that never really healed up and went mining over in Aussie instead. And I found myself a nice inside job. And that's pretty much how that happened. And then after that, I always felt I had unfinished business there, though, and there was heaps of unanswered questions about what what happened there and what is there and why. Because I just didn't feel like that those questions never really got answered. So I talked to a few friends. So I talked to my friends who was living in the area at the time. We were working over them. She was actually our neighbour, and asked her how she felt about the area. She moved out when I talked spoke to her about the stuff, and she said because. Something out there for real, and it's an ugly feeling too. There's always something not right with the land where you were working or our house, if not the whole area. If I'm to be honest, we hardly visit there anymore. So much has happened to us when we were there, but I choose to move on because the energy was way off. It's never followed us. We have had a guy come out and help settle things down He said there is so much ugly and a lot was to do with the river and the bush way up the back. A lot of things have happened to people out there, more than what is considered normal. I asked if she could go into detail and she said, well, I can give you a list. The neighbour somehow robbed his quad into the gorge and broke his leg badly and had to get a rescue helicopter to come out and lift him out of the gorge and take him to hospital. Wow. He was down in the bottom of the gorge for eight hours, stuck underneath his bike. Tractor's brakes stopped working and then look at them and they're fine. And we actually had this as well with our skitter. our skidder's brakes stopped working. So we pulled it apart and they were actually fine. There was nothing wrong with them. A logging crew up the road had many near misses. She said one that she recalls, the skidder brakes stopped working, rolled down the hill and hit a logging truck. No one died, but one person was very badly hurt. Beehive guys had a truck roll off the bank after the bank gave out on them. Hadn't been raining either. And she said so many unexplained things have happened to many, many people down there. She said that certain places certainly made her feel uneasy and she wouldn't go there. And I asked her, was there any good out there? Because it just seemed like it was just all bad. And she said, yeah, yeah, there is good. It's just complex. It It wasn't all crap when we lived out there, but it just felt like the energy was shifting and a lot of unrest was more in the bush. I felt uneasy. She said that her friend and her hubby were coming home one night from being in hospital at 2am. She'd been falling asleep at the wheel and she looked up and seen a Māori warrior woke her just in time. She just about drove over the side of the saddle. He was in front of her running until they got got to where they were safe and he disappeared. But she had a guy come out to her house too as she had some shit happening and it was coming from the river because her son had an entity in his room that was removed. Before that, they hardly ever had any bird life after all the fantails returned and they're now keepers of her place. So that that is her feelings about the place and so she moved out pretty much for the same reasons as we did because there was just something there and didn't know what it was and how to deal with it that was the reason why she moved out and then one of the people who we worked for I spoke to their son and he said he wouldn't sleep there only visited for day trips because he always felt uneasy he doesn't know what it is but definitely something ugly comes and goes from there so that's him <laughs> what he said and then um Dash forward 10 years and I found your page. <laughs> and so it was the perfect place to get answers. I posted my, only my experience and what, and what the medium had said to my cousin. And long story short, it was not a demon, Satan, or spawn of Satan. It was an elemental spirit. And they are very powerful entities, but they are not evil. Nor are they satanic, merely protective of what they see as theirs. It was nothing I did wrong. Why this happened, they were very angry because they were disrespectful from the start. And so everyone else who come in, no matter the attitude, would have been seen as unwelcome. The wallpaper ripping sound was the elementals coming through into this dimension. My guide who I talked to was angry because I was being targeted and he could buffer me a wee bit but could not stop them. Elementals are very ancient beings, and in, in terms of authority cannot be controlled by either living or non-living humans. The whole area about 30 kilometers in circumference is the home to a group of elemental beings who are not happy with what's happening in their home, forests and land. The advice, was, the advice given by you, Marianne, was acknowledge them, their presence, and apologize to them on the behalf of the workers that might lessen the activity. So as long as the workers are respectful and aware, but really that's in the hands of the elementals. So I thought about <laughs> this, I thought about it, and it took me a few months to ponder over you know, my answers to my questions and to learn more about what had happened and to me and to process things a little bit. And then I come up with a plan to put things at rest. I travelled to the place and I felt them there pretty much immediately. As soon as I got there, they were right there. I said out loud and confidently, I am sorry for what the past humans did to you and your home. But that is not me. I didn't do any of these things to you, and I am not and I am not that or those people. I care about your home and everything that lives here. I know you are the only protecting what your home and rightly so. Not everyone has good intentions. I am here to make peace for us all. I know you are you are very angry and I can feel it. And you have been angry for a long, long time. You know what? I actually feel sorry for you. You must be exhausted because anger is is a very tiring thing. It's up to you if you want to take some of my advice or not. But how about a little piece? I brought you some gifts and I would like to apologize for for the wrong I may have done. And at that point I heard. You have done no wrong. And I felt the energy shift to a lighter tone. Then I said, here, here are your gifts. This is a cake I made for you, some pretty rocks I have collected and a handful of feathers I picked up. I hope you enjoy these things because I really don't know what to give you. Then I heard respect. Thank you. The whole place looked better, brighter and warmer and it looked more beautiful than ever. But um, yeah, I love this area. But I don't want to test the waters ever again. I will never work there again. But I would definitely visit.
0: You know, that's incredibly brave of you to go back there. Incredibly brave of you to do that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I just had to suck it up. Or well, so it would have. I would have. It would have been playing in my mind for the rest of my life, if I didn't go back there and and make peace because so much things happened there that, yeah, that I just sucked it up and went back in just to make that peace. Not Well, it was just really for myself, but maybe it may have helped others as well there too. I don't know to help. I don't know if it's in the activity there or not, but it definitely felt brighter and happier while I was there after I said my thing.
0: Yeah, because they accepted you. Yeah. I feel I tend to feel that they'll take it person by person.
1: Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, yeah. That's the reason why I'm sharing the story because if anyone ever finds themselves in this particular area or anywhere else where the same similar situation is happening, well, this is good advice to give. Yeah. (laughs) Then, then the advice can go to something good and helping somebody else out. Yeah, I think it's just you know. If you have good intentions and you intend to be good and look after things, it's pretty much like if you go and visit someone in their home. If you left that mess or did that in their home, how would they feel? It's the same with um, elementals as well. That you gotta think about how they would feel. And if your intentions are good, that they will radiate off you and they'll, yeah, not be so harmful. Yeah, but yeah. It's just about yeah acknowledgement acknowledging that they're there and that they are real absolutely
0: oh that's so awesome have you spoken to your cousins since about this experience you both had
1: um yes i have after you told gave me the answers to my questions about that place i screenshotted the whole entire conversation that we had and sent it to him and he said you know what she is 100 percent accurate he said I didn't exactly fully believe that it was, a, was Satan or demon or anything evil. He said it just it didn't quite feel like evil, but it felt like it was going to hurt us. But, yeah, so, and then, um, yeah, he said, yeah, that's basically what he said. He said, you know what, I've been questioning what had happened to us there ever since we left, and now that I've got answers, I actually feel more at peace now.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Because he actually grew up. Over there in that particular area as well, and for a time, because his parents were farming over there, and they were farming there for a couple of years, I think. And so he had already had like encounters with them, but didn't really know what they were, and they weren't quite attacking him like how they attacked us then, because he was quite a lot younger. He just just knew that they were there, but because we're adults by that stage. Yeah, that was but bit full on. And so, so, yeah, that answered a whole lot of questions for him, and he was able to help a few other people that lived there too that moved out for the same reasons as us. Something then, we couldn't explain it, and we just always felt uncomfortable.
0: Oh, wow. That's awesome. That's extra special, actually. Extra special knowing that. Wow.
1: Yeah, so... So yeah, so it's actually helped a few people. I screenshotted your whole conversations, sent it to my friends as well. The one that um told me pretty much the whole history of why she moved out and all the all the things that had happened to other people, and she was like, "Wow, this, yep, that sounds like it's on point." And so she shared it with the um the guy the priests that come out to help her with her house, she, she shared the conversation with him as well so that he had that knowledge to be able to help other people when he gets called out there.
0: Being religious, how did he take it?
1: He actually took it really well. Like, he's not a full-on priest, you know, like, you know, preach and stuff, but so he took it really, really well and he just said, said you know, I'm I've got an open mind and I'm open minded to everything and this here actually sounds like more on point. And then after my few months of sitting down and thinking about how I was going to tackle this situation and thinking about how I was going to put things at rest for myself, I actually contacted him after that and said to him, look, I did this and everything felt really good after that. So that should be a good advice that you could give to other people who are having problems.
0: That's, That's so awesome. And actually, that's really good for me to know that, that the information I gave you has helped so many people.
1: It has, yeah. It has definitely helped a hell of a lot of people. More than what I know, more than probably what you know, because those are only the people who I know that got shared to you, but they would have shared it to everyone else as well. So so it would have got gone far and wide um, between both of us about, yeah, how to help, really. Right. Yeah, well, because basically what's happening there is there's a great, big, huge misunderstanding between everybody. Yeah. is basically what's going on, because – other than those who've got bad intentions, of course, but those, most people have good intentions when they go there to do their work. You know, they're there to farm and to, you know, create produce or lamb and beef or honey or whatever, and and so they're there with good intentions because you know you got to look after the land in order to get good products. Right, and so. It's, it's just a great big, huge misunderstanding between everybody.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it started way back, way, way, way back.
1: Well, my biggest thing is with sharing my experiences with, all, well, with everything that I've experienced is because no one in my family has talked about these beings and because, like, a lot of what's happened to me has been non of the non-human kind right and no one wants to talk about them and so I had absolutely no information or didn't like I know absolutely nothing about what was going on and why and why generic advice wasn't working yeah because it's they're not even human yeah yeah of course no one will talk talk about them I know that they know and I know that some of my family has had experiences because I've heard little bits and pieces, but no one talks about them.
0: Yeah, it's fear, eh? Fear of unknown, fear of the unknown. And I guess it's a bit like with another of people not talking about the skinwalkers because they fear it will draw them to them. Yeah.
1: Yeah, which is probably true to a certain extent. Like, I know that since I've been talking about my experiences and with my things that I've had definitely more visitors in my home of the unseen kind. Yeah. And I know that I've had a bit more activity around the place of the unseen kind, but nothing that's been bad. And I've been given a bit more information about things too through Dreams or just um, telepathically. I don't know it's hard to explain like all of these things that go on is usually pretty hard to explain but you do your best.
0: Yeah yeah exactly and because you're opening yourself up and being honest with yourself. Yeah. It opens up your energies and makes you more accessible for those of the fairy realm or elemental realm who may want to contact you. Yeah yeah so that's really awesome thank you so much i've really really enjoyed hearing your experiences and chatting with you In this episode, we've talked about elementals, going over a little history and the specific types of elementals there are, and we've heard my guest's experience. So, this episode sort of rounds off the previous episodes on the Patipari here and my first conversation with Gary Cook, where he talked about his experiences with them and shared others' experiences as well. And also the last two weeks' episodes with Gary Cook on Music of the Plants. They all sort of fall into the same category. You may or may not believe in the existence of these beings, but certainly the people who've had these experiences absolutely do. And I personally have also had an experience with these beings when I lived in a little town called Waxhaw in North Carolina with my then husband and my daughter. We all three of us experienced these wee folk in a shared experience, which is very personal to us, so I'm not sharing the experience in here, but it was three of us who witnessed what happened that night, and it is a memory that I will treasure forever. My then husband, who has since deceased, was not actually into any of this sort of stuff, so this sort of shook his paradigms a wee bit, but to his credit, he was very open-minded about what we had experienced. This was going to be the last episode for this series, but recently I received a very interesting email from a gentleman who visited New Zealand and who had an encounter with a Patuparehe near Waitomo when he was visiting there. He didn't know about these beings or of the Maori knowledge of them before his experience. I have his permission to share his story with you. I've had a few questions from people about this, so next week will be a short episode just presenting the gentleman's experience and a very, very brief bit about myself. Don't want to bore you all with too much information about me. I'm merely your host, after all. And that slightly creepy music that was played today was called Come Play With Me by Kevin MacLeod, licensed under Creative Commons. For more information check out my podcast website www.walkingtheshadowlands.com If any of you have any questions or any comments that you'd like to make or experiences that you might like to share with myself and my audience then please don't hesitate to email me at shadowlands yahoo.com or if you're a member of Anchor at anchor.fm then you can leave me a voice message via their platform which I could include in an upcoming episode. If you enjoyed this episode, then please leave a positive rating and a written review on your chosen podcasting platform. Who knows? You may hear your review read it at the end of one of these podcasts. And of course, so you don't miss out on the final episode in this series, make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. This podcast is available on all free podcasting platforms and soon to be available from iHeartRadio as well. If you don't have a smartphone, then you can listen to the episodes from the podcast website com. For those hearing impaired, there is a full written transcript of each episode on the website, so you don't miss out at all. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your workmates about our show. Encourage them to listen and to subscribe also, the more the merrier. Also, Please consider supporting this show on Patreon.com. You can check out the link on our website. Check out our Facebook page, Walking the Shadowlands, our Instagram feed of the same name, and our Twitter feed, at Shadowlands10. Like and follow for hints on all of our upcoming episodes. Thank you so much for listening tonight, today, wherever you are in this beautiful world of ours. We'll see you this time next week.
1: Thanks for listening.